You are listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priest with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. It's Monday, May 20th, and it's a big week for Notre Dame recruiting. Uh, Chris Tyree, Braden McGregor, two significant recruits for Notre Dame, will be making their decisions later in the week. We have information on the scholarship, the 85 scholarships, and where Notre Dame will be this fall. Jalen Smith graduated this weekend, along with many of the other uh, Notre Dame seniors, and a story earlier in the week where we talk about the distribution of players from the various states during the Brian Kelly era. But let's start with Tyree and McGregor. Chris Tyree from Virginia, the all-purpose back, expected to make an announcement on Thursday, and then this came up over the weekend, I guess it was, at Braden McGregor. The defensive end, a highly touted defensive end from Michigan, will be making his announcement on Friday. He just visited Florida. Um, is there? I don't know that there's a whole bunch of mystery with Chris Tyree, although I want to hear it before I fully believe it. McGregor's uh, a little bit more uncertain, although probably trending Notre Dame's way. Pete, what's your perspective on that? Uh, I mean, I think Tyree will commit to Notre Dame on Thursday because I haven't heard anything else. For the last three weeks of that, at least. I think it's about right. Um, McGregor is much more of a, a mystery. So I, I think the the trending Notre Dame's way on McGregor, I, I think, is maybe a little optimistic Probably. for a Notre Dame fan. Um, you know, I talked to somebody in the Goog last week about McGregor and sort of felt like Notre Dame had kind of emptied the clip on him. Like, there's there's not a recruiting pitch they can make anymore. Uh, <laughs> and that's a, kind of an uncomfortable place to be because it, it's a position where you don't feel like you know how to affect the yeah. recruitment. Um, so they they kind of had to run out the clock on them. Maybe it will go their way this week. Maybe it won't. But I, I don't think Notre Dame looks at that recruitment at all and feels like, yeah, we got this guy locked up. I, there's, a, there's a good chance they'll get him, but I – and I think on the last podcast I said maybe fifty one percent. That's that's fine, but you know Michigan's at forty nine, so that's like if you flip a coin, you're not going to be like heads. Ha! I told you. Well, I mean that's it, sort of where it and is. And we're picking we're picking percentage numbers out of the air too, sure. so there's not a total amount of validity behind those numbers. If you empty the clip, don't you think it's better that he's announcing though? And I don't mean it's related to him saying, "Okay, I want to go to Notre Dame or Michigan now." I'm saying you've emptied the clip. So if he wants to extend this thing on and on and on and on, it's better, isn't it better that he's. Yeah, I think Notre Dame yeah, feels yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah it's, absolutely. It's better than it. It's better than it dragging on, but right. that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a sign that he's going to. Notre Dame. No, I don't mean it's a sign. I mean that it would hurt Notre Dame more if he's like, you know what, I'm just going to take my whole senior season and figure this out if they yeah. empty the clip. Well, I think that was Notre Dame's point to him is like, what are you waiting for? Um, you know, I think there's been some speculation out there that. Well, we need you to move up your recruitment because, like, we need to have space for you. That's crap. Like, that's not. <laughs> yeah. That's just not true. You'll make space yeah. for this. Kid. So, and and I also think that Notre Dame's perspective is if they don't get Braden McGregor, they're completely fine with their defensive line class as is. This is this is the guy that moves the needle for them from good to great. Taking another guy who's good isn't necessarily the best use of scholarships. Um, so. If they don't get McGregor, I could see them being done at the defensive end position. Um, it's also not the worst use of scholarships, though. No, another good guy. In this no, position. but but I, I think know. but I think they'll just they'll be on three or four guys, yeah. and you'll hear about Notre Dame recruiting them and then taking visits and all that's fine. Uh, but at the, at the end, it could be a situation where like guys, we just don't have room. 
similar to what's going on with every other running back on the board. Yeah. You know, yeah. what were what was the the recruiting analysis when they were recruiting Tyree? It was like, well, they're going to get Tyreek Murphy or Juton McLean. Yeah, that def- well, that stuff is done. definitely done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so the, when they get Tyree on Thursday, if that happens, they're done at running back. Um, ben Urosic is a D-end that that could factor in there but i but i understand what you're saying and i don't i don't disagree with what you're saying we have a bunch of questions on those two guys and more in segment 2 so we'll we'll uh, we'll address that um jd bertrand maris leafau we expect to be on scholarship this fall yes we have expected it now we believe they are on scholarship or about to be on scholarship this fall we have always thought i guess not using their names we always thought don't worry about it right that's that's been the thought yeah. process, and, no, it's, I mean, and it's a logical thought process too. Like Leofau, I was told was going to be on scholarship regardless. Um, you know, peop, I think Notre Dame had sort of worked out a situation where if they really were hard up against it, he could go to prep school Avon Old Farms. But then talking to people in Hawaii, they're like, "What are you talking about? He's going to be on scholarship." Because if he wasn't, he you know would he could just go somewhere yeah, else. And, and Notre Dame never entered into this with. With the intention of allowing them to, you know, dangle and win f- no, for the this year. Is, this is a great job recruiting this part of the roster. They wanted the players on the roster. They couldn't absolutely 100% unequivocally guarantee it when they had 89 guys. Yeah, I mean, they recruited they these guys without, happen. without yeah. a scholarship to offer. They right. got two. Uh, I know Bertrand's a four-star. I don't know if Leofau is. I think he is on 24-7. Yeah, two guys they like. But, they, yeah. you know, look, Bertrand at some point was going to Georgia. Uh, and Florida liked him and Wisconsin liked him. Lufau, Oregon, and USC really liked them. And Notre Dame was like, yeah, you know, if you really like Notre Dame, we like you too, but we don't have a scholarship for sure. We probably will. You're not going to be able to pull that off very often. Although now that they have, oh, yeah. Man, you could, you'll try it again. You could just go back and show how often they have 89 and then they have 84. Yeah. You could pull it off all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, you know, that's not our lives that we're right, playing so, with. <laughs> so how do they get to that number? I mean, I, honestly, because I, because of... Leofau and Bertrand, like, they were always going to be on scholarship, especially Leofau. I think the more interesting thing is Javon McKinley is probably going to still be around. I think that's the, the roster development over the last month that surprised me the most, talking to people in the Goog, is, like, McKinley not only came back, but kind of had a good spring when he was healthy, and they feel like they're going to need him for the first month of the season. Uh, you know, and he can contribute there. So, I you know, Javon McKinley is... I think that he will be in the mix in some capacity this fall, which gets you, by my projection, to 86 scholarships. I don't know who will be number 86, but there are do, still though. a bunch of options. I think they might know. That's what I mean, look, there, at this point. You know, Trevor Rulin is his physically breaking down quite a bit. But he's um, an August medical, I think. He would give it a shot. Like, I think if Notre Dame knows who that is right now, mm-hmm. if, they, if they've just had words from grades, if they had words from transfer, just talking sure. to exit interviews, I think the exit interview with Trevor Rulin was... We're going to reassess this in the first week of August when you try to go through camp, Trevor. And that would be it. But you don't want to put him on medical if you're down to 85. You want him to be able to play two games for you and be able to practice all year. Sure. Like, he's a guy that you want in the in your mix blocking people as a second-team player for you all season long. Does that make sense? Like, in practice. Yeah, and yeah. the guy that can come in during a game, he's not necessarily, you know, it's like if somebody, like an Alex yeah. Bars, you know, suffered a season-ending injury, they didn't go with Trevor Rulin, or they weren't going to go to Trevor Rulin. He's the guy that, that gets you through the game. Gets you through the game, yeah. And, he, and you have confidence because he knows. It, it, look, 
over the course of time, his body would break down if he starts eight games this yeah. year. They, they feel that way, too. But I think there's medicals where you're like, okay, i got to get him on a medical because he can't help us and he's hurt all the time. But this would be like, we'd really like to get him through the season somehow. I just feel like they have ideas now that at the that with exit interviews, you're going to know they look, they if have, someone's leaving. They have 18 defensive linemen. That's a lot. And they have 12 wide receivers yeah. with McKinley and Hart. 12 wide receivers is okay. The 13 linebackers is a little bit weird, especially when you're playing more of the younger guys. So is there an old, <laughs> is there an older linebacker who is like, this isn't happening. Um, you know, I'll do like sort of a DJ Morgan situation where hurry up and graduate, don't play, have two years to play somewhere yeah. else. Right. I, you know, there is um, – I don't know that we definitely know that Sean Crawford's going to be back for a fifth year. He's definitely. I've been worried uh, ever since. Worried, I say, because I like the kid. Uh, worried since Brian Kelly gave a lukewarm response in the spring. Right, and there is some information out there about him. Look, he's concerned about not having an opportunity to play cornerback. Somebody needs to sit him down and explain the opportunity could arise in the second half I, in Athens I, because I, when guys get beat a lot, which is going to happen in these games, I get that. But he yeah. has he has checked on other schools yeah. where the possibility exists. Nick Watkins for him. would have been the starter basically in the Cotton Bowl <laughs> by the end of the second well, quarter. Well, true, but he was I mean, a starter. Just, he he ended up being huh, what? He was a starter at Houston. I, I get that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. I get that. He started I, in the Fiesta Bowl <laughs> in 2015. Yeah, he did. That's true. He could, Boy, by total. Default, but, but I mean, there's another yeah. reason not to transfer. Nick that's, Watkins yeah. started that's what the happens no, but football. Anyway, just to, just to throw that idea out there that Sean Crawford yeah. has looked and and he you know he wants a full time job and I and I you know he's not going to play. What's he going to do? Play boundary corner this year for Notre Dame? He's not going to. I definitely pulled on you. What happens to me when I talk about Ian Book might leave because. What are you talking about? How can you do that? I am relaying information I have. I'm not making right. a choice. I just, I, I just took, like, tore, whoa, whoa. I tore you I down. Get it. Yeah. I get it. No, I get it. So anyway, obviously it's going to work out because Bertrand and Leofau are going to be on scholarship. A uh, couple things I want to mention here before we go into segment two and the questions. Jalen Smith getting his degree from Notre Dame. Um Kind of a neat thing to just sit back and so quickly. Celebrate. I think it's 21, really impressive for a guy twenty-one that's credit that good. hours. That's twenty-one credit hours. That's a lot they usually credits. take longer to come back when you're that good because you're busy in the NFL. I mean, yeah. It's not immediate. I mean, I wonder if just like the fact that he was injured. I don't know if he was able to take some a little some courses yeah. away because I mean, I think that he had said in uh, Eric Hansen's story in the South Bend Tribune like that he had intentionally taken all of his major credits during the three years mm-hmm. when he was here. Which then allows you to be a little bit more flexible. Like I did something with Troy Nicholas, and he did not do that, and then sort of ran into the resi- the residentiality requirement that you have to take your major courses here, which is tough if you're also trying to play in the NFL. Right. Nicholas is injured, so he had I think a little bit more flexibility to do that. But um, it's I, you know Josh Adams is back as well. Um, yeah. I don't know if it, I necessarily would call this as like this is sort of a new trend necessarily. I think but coming back I think as it, fast as. I think it's cool yeah. that yeah. they did it. Um, you know, it's like that Notre Dame is certainly in a better I, – I do credit Notre Dame for sort of getting in a better space with you can leave early and we won't pretend like you don't exist. Um, and then, <laughs> then, then it makes it when you come back, we can celebrate you graduating right. and not be like – 
all all weird about it. I grew up in, well, I mean, I started working covering Notre Dame football in an era where you were ostracized if you made a decision like that. Maybe not Jerome Bettis per se, but, but, you know, a lot of other guys. I mean, like when I sat down with Nicholas, I, I got it. I wanted to get into that angle with him. And he's just like, look, if you were a student here and you had this great startup idea and you dropped out of school to pursue it, your professors would be like, awesome idea. Go yeah. for it. Like Notre Dame is going to be here when you want to come back and f- football should be the same way. Yeah. Well, and that's the way it's become. Uh, yeah. Last thing I want to touch upon in this segment, did a story earlier this week, the geographical Irish, how, how the, how Brian Kelly's recruits break down by state. I thought I found it interesting that 31.5%. So nearly one third come have come from Florida, Ohio, California, Obviously, the, the, the miss rate as opposed to the hit rate is pretty high when you're sure. dealing with those numbers. 29, I think it was, from Florida, and the other two in the 20s, or I, don't, I think it was Florida with 29. The best hit rates have come from places like Georgia, which is a new place for Notre Dame to mine their talent, and it's working well. Pennsylvania's been good. Michigan, North Carolina, Indiana, which, again... I go back the years covering Notre Dame. I never thought that I would say that. Indiana recruiting was virtually non-existent. Um, but, you know, you look at Pennsylvania, which I'm really – it's really kind of surprising by Notre Dame standards or Notre Dame through the years that there have only been 10 players from Pennsylvania yep. in the Brian Kelly era. But McGlinchey, Josh Adams, Will Fuller, Ben Koyak, Kurt Heinisch, Josh Lugg, Really high uh, hit rate there. And then Georgia also with 10. But you have guys like T.J. Jones and Stephon Tewitt and Isaac Rochelle and Tyler Newsom. Uh, Michigan's been good. Kyle Brinza, Steve Elmer, Dalen Hayes, Khaled Kareem, Ade Gundeje. Just, I, I just, I had I, no I idea what it was going to be going into it. Uh, and it was kind of fun just to see how it all breaks down and where they've had the most success. The only one I would have known going into it was Indiana because I remember back in 2012, 2013, thinking to myself, one of the best offensive linemen of the last 40 years, one of the best type, the best tight end of the last 40 years, the best outside linebacker of the last 40 years, all from Indiana, plus Sheldon Day and Nick Martin, all playing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Braxton Cave, I mean, that, the hit rate in Indiana, the High-end hit rate in Indiana tranquil. is remarkable. Drew Tranquil wasn't even on my radar back then when I was saying, Nick, yeah. I mean, Nick Martin was a, he was the surprise hit. I mean, when he came, I was like, oh, you know, you take yeah. that guy as a program player, he ended up being an NFL player instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Drew Tranquil's a great example. That Some of their best or most valued players over the last 30, 40 years have, in the Brian Kelly era have come from Indiana. Did you, did and you they've have, been captains. Yeah. Did you have Hawaii in there or no? Uh, well, I mean, there were what five? Yeah, I just think Hawaii, Hawaii is is in some ways similar to Indiana. This is the one way they are similar. Is that the, <laughs> the players that Notre Dame gets out of that state, like Indiana, seem to overachieve? Um, that they fit what Notre, they they were able to get guys out of there that seem to fit exactly mm-hmm. what Notre Dame wants, uh, and I think they, in every instance, have overperformed whatever their their ranking yeah, was. Yeah, tra- Tranquil two-time captain, the Martin Brothers captains, Sheldon Day, uh, not not uh, not Gunnar Keel. No, that was not a hit. <laughs> I forgot about that Justin, one. Justin Brett not as big of a hit as, say, Tyler Eifert either. No, but, uh, no, no. But I thought it was kind of fun. I had no idea. I, li- I like doing those stories where you don't really know what you're going to find no. when you start delving into it. John Goodman, inside joke. Not a captain. 
Yeah. But uh, he was, as one media member <laughs> approached him, congratulating him yeah. his captaincy, if you recall. Yeah, who, <laughs> yeah. Did, who did they think he was? I think they thought it was Tyler Eifert. Tyler Eifert, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Which that's makes right. some they sense. Was Eifert, yeah. Mildly awkward moment. Congratulations yeah, on being a captain. I am not a captain. I'm <laughs> 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 All right, we'll be back. Segment two, burning up the boards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Wash ND with Chris Tyree. Seeming to be strong Irish lean or a silent commitment, who is the most important uncommitted prospect left? Cornerback Clark Phillips, defensive end Braden McGregor, or safety Lathan Ransom? Or somebody else if you guys want to throw somebody else in. I think those are I think those are a pretty good trio from which to choose. You know, I, I think I will go with Phillips, because they actually have a pretty good defensive line class assembled, with or without McGregor. I mean, it could be great with McGregor, but um, at corner right now, I think that they uh, they are in need of a higher-end talent similar to like a Kyle Hamilton last year, but who can play corner. So I'll go with Clark Phillips. I'll go with McGregor, because the most important position, and there's a zero, zero's too low, there's no bust rate for McGregor. McGregor will be solid at worst. McGregor's really good. He's got, I love Braden McGregor. He's got, if, he, if he goes to Notre Dame, he's got to be more than solid for me in order to, no, to back up what I've no, been saying. I agree with him. you. I, I think by no, talking, I I'm talking there's no – I don't see a bust. I can't, I, I can't, I mean, I can't I, envision it, even though it can happen to anybody. I just yeah, can't envision it. It can't, it can't happen to anybody. Yes. I don't think it's going to happen to him. I love the question because – well, my pick would but be – my, my yeah. pick would be McGregor just because I, I, I think he's a five-star defensive end and Notre Dame needs five-star defensive ends just like everybody else. The other two I think is interesting because I think Phillips is a really, really good established cornerback and yeah. will come in and be very good. But the need's probably greater at at safety because you, you definitely lose Elliott. You likely lose Gilman. And you're not sure about the two backup safeties that played this spring. So the need's probably greater there, but I think Phillips is a more a more polished corner. Uh, so it's a great that. question. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I don't, I you know, I I can't I think, get away from McGregor on that. Yeah, I can't get away from McGregor either, and I think they need they need Phillips. <laughs> and they them. need and they yeah. need Rand, <laughs> uh, they need yeah they need they need them all. So I think it's a really good question. Kaiser Wilhelm, what is your level of confidence that Chris Tyree and Braden McGregor commit to Notre Dame this week? You want to throw out percentages again here, Pete? Ninety-seven uh, percent on Chris Tyree and fifty point one percent on McGregor. <laughs> How about that? Tip, ninety-seven point one percent on Tyree, Pete. No, it's and, you're aware, you're aware of <laughs> over the line, yeah. and I'm down to forty-nine percent on McGregor. I don't think we're allowed to have nice things yeah. all the time. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't say ninety-seven for Tyree I because, of, but, I, but everybody believes he's going to Notre Dame, so I'll put him in the ninety percent plus range. And McGregor, I just can't get past the idea that Michigan is probably tugging at him more than than anything because that's where he's from and that's where he wanted to go initially. So I would say that Michigan wins that. If Norton wins those two, now we're talking about a, an extremely special class for Notre Dame. Plus a fun time for a Notre Dame 
fan and Notre Dame message board internet fan of <laughs> Irish Illustrated <laughs> that, the Athletic that, like, and elsewhere. The Bay, Michigan? The, no, just on the twenty. No, I didn't even, I didn't even think about oh. that. Just having the twenty third and twenty fourth. You locking up those two in this in already a good a good main recruiting. That's yeah. a very fun. That, yeah, it's a ma- weekend. That's so you're yeah. saying that you would. It's about free. I think Priester would take the Braden McGregor to Notre Dame, Zach Center to Michigan trade. Yes, uh, I think you'd be fine with that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do we know how to pronounce that? CJ Nachtagall, which is probably just butchering it completely. I apologize, CJ. Do you think Braden, uh, Braden McGregor's official visit to Florida this past weekend could catapult them to the lead, hence the decision to announce now? Or is he still Notre Dame, Michigan? I think it's still Notre Dame, Michigan. Um, I think going to Florida is just. Have you gone outside? I would also go to Florida right now. I agree. Surprised he didn't visit Pepperdine. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a. Uh, no, I, I, I don't think it does anything. For I don't. I don't. Th- I mean, I, okay. First of all, if 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 it was going to be Florida, he would delay the decision, right? He wouldn't make. He wouldn't go there and then make that decision. Yeah, that'd be quite a thing. After, I, I I think, I think he's a more level-headed person and to to make that jump after allowing Notre Dame. And Michigan to be one two two one, they're courting them. I don't believe that that would happen. Not Jay Tafel. How many offensive linemen will Nording take in the twenty twenty class? What should be the ideal number take? I'm not sure that there's an ideal number. Not but. an A class, um, but Pete, you as you mentioned when we talked previously, uh, two is probably what they're yeah. taking in this class. They go Tosh Baker, Michael Carmody. It'll be done, and they'll be fine with it. It'll be the third time in the Kelly era they took two. They. F- the key is all throughout the Kelly era and, and getting back to, I like to go back to the Zach Martin trio because uh, Brian Kelly is the only one that coached them. So in no five-year span have they taken fewer than 17. So 17 is obviously the target. They've gotten 18 twice. Right now they have 16 with just Tosh Baker. They'll be adding one to make it 17. You want 17 linemen in a five-year span because you're going to have transfers Uh and then some weird things. In other words, I think there's just two years without a transfer in the last, well, you don't want to count the guys that just came in because, of course, they haven't transferred yet. But right. even, even Luke Jones transferred. Um, there was no transfer in 2017, but that's not over yet. Noah Boykin also. There was one in, no, I'm offensive lineman. I'm, oh. I'm talking just offensive lineman. Yeah. There was a transfer in 16. There was no transfer in 15, but they brought in two guys because we were trying to rack our brains. Why didn't they have three? It was Tillery was the guy that was going to be the third offensive lineman. When they started the recruitment oh. of everything. So, yeah, if you get two this year, you probably got to get three or four next year. Pete, you don't think, you don't think they go Reese Atterbury? I mean, they might, but I like I've, I saw Reese Atterbury work out when I went to uh, visit Aiden Kayonaina. Um, and yeah, hey, you're there. making progress was, there. I mean, if you visit him, you got to get his name right. He anyway. was fine. Yeah. It's Atterbury. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, not that yeah. one. <laughs> I know. Um, like I, he was fine, but it, he didn't really blow me away. And in a year where things are really tight, I'm. I think yeah, that's, that's a prob- good point. I think that's probably like, did- an, in another year, like in the in the current freshman class or the current sophomore class. Yeah, Reese Atterbury yeah. for sure. I just it's like, um, God, I'm blanking on the kid's name from Culver, um, the defensive uh, end, Dante Craig. Dante Craig. Like in almost every other year, he is a take. This yeah. is just not every other year. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I like Atterbury. I'm not blown away. I I, I would. I guess I would kind of use, we talked about this last week, blown away a little bit by Skronsky. I, I really like him. Uh, but obviously they lost him. I like Andrew Gentry a lot. How would that work? Because he's going on a two-year mission. So if he signed, would it 
count later? How, do you know how that work would work, Pete? Mm, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know the math of that, but I, I think he would not be. Uh, it would, I think it would count the, against your signees, the twenty-five man limit, but I don't think it would count right. against your eighty-five. It doesn't count against the eighty-five. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it okay, would, but the, so Notre that Rams, would work. Yeah, Notre Dame's not messing around with the twenty-five man limit. No, they're not even going to be close. But I, he, I mean, we don't hear much about that because of the mission. But he's, a, I think he's a really good player. I'm not exactly sure how that would all work. Uh, okay, let's get away from recruiting. Get in some uh, some other stuff here. Indy Squid 23 last season, Jerry Tillery, Drew Tranquil, and Tavon Coney were able to focus almost exclusively on football, thanks to a lighter load in the classroom. They were all fifth year seniors. All three had great seasons. Who are the players on this year's squad that could stand to benefit the most? From similar circumstances, uh, I think Khalid Kareem first one. would be a big one since you know he seems to sprain his ankle every week. Like so, you can get a lot of treat, a lot of treatment. I, I think, well, but he's a true senior. But he's close. Remember, we we had well, ru- Ju- we Jerry Tiller was a true senior. Oh, that's yeah, right. We were okay. rumored that yeah. um, it was always it's, that Sh- wasn't true, but it was close that Kareem could have graduated. Yeah, but he wasn't there. Sh- yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he told me that he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he could have, um, and that changed. Uh, he was, but he was an early enrollee, so he will basically this is that will be his eighth semester. Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if anyone would benefit any more than anybody else. Like, if you're, I got one guy. If you only take a few classes, it's a positive <laughs> football time. Like, it's just so many hours in the day. Life's just good in general. Yeah, that's what your senior is well, supposed I mean, to be like. I, Asmar Bilal certainly could use total focus on football since he's you know new position. I don't know if he's necessarily fighting for a starting spot. That's kind of our narrative on the outside, but he needs to be a better, more consistent football player, and he's the guy that comes to mind for me. I think the Kareem one. With the, I mean, yeah, he could spend time. He could do the Drew Tranquil, just constantly mm-hmm. rehab his body. Yeah, that that uh, that was obviously very significant for Tranquil last year, and would have been for <laughs> you remember what Kareem had he had that event. Julie Love said, and I'm like, Drew, do you even go to class? <laughs> <laughs> He's always getting rehabbed. <laughs> that's from a, I mean, that's from a, I, I mean, I give Tranquil a lot of credit because he was a, obviously a tremendous student. Yeah, no, that's why it's funny. <laughs> but he was, a, but he was able to, right, and he, but he yeah. was able to say, okay, yeah. I'm going to pull back because yes. this is in my best interest. Jerry and I'm going to well. do it. That's why yeah. the question Jerry came Tiller. up. Yeah. Um, yeah, who, I mean, does it help Ian Book if he's that much closer at this point? Yes. Yeah, I think so, too. Ian Book would be in a different group if... He doesn't really qualify yeah. for this discussion, but like I think he would be just like based on everything you have yeah. to know. Yeah. To now, play quarterback. now, Chris Fink, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, Chris Fink is at his highest upside, yeah. don't you think? Yeah. I mean, so uh, Crawford, you know, <laughs> that would help. Yeah, that th- that would help too. <laughs> Southern Irish one. What is your opinion on the tight end play? Since Chip Long has been calling plays, we've got lots of talent, but I don't see much in the way of production. Sure. Alize Mack was unreliable, but there was plenty of other talent at the position. Is it play calling, the quarterback not looking for the tight ends, or the tight ends just unable to get open? There was talent available last year outside of Mack, but he was hurt. Cole Komet was not Cole Komet that they expected once he had the ankle injury. I think that's fair. I mean, that's a hard thing to come back from over the course of the year. Because he doesn't also, you also don't get a chance to, to rest. Oh, like, yeah. could they, they fight their way back, and they're in right. there three weeks before they should be in there, and you're like, well, why is Komet's ankle still hurting? Because he's running on it a month early. Because I mean, he's still hurt. Because he's still hurt, and he's yeah. playing just because he's out there. When Brian Kelly says, you know, oh, yeah, he's 100% ready, he means he's 100% going to be out there because I'm putting him out there, yeah. and he said he can play. So, I mean, I really think, and then Brock Wright, Brock Wright wasn't in the right football shape last year. I mean, he bulked up to be a blocker, 
And now I think we can see the real Brock Wright finally. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, your your greatest team. talent was Komet, and he was hurt. Brock Wright wasn't a receiving threat. Not sure that he will be. He's got better chance this year. Elsey Max an inconsistent. I mean, I, Durham Smythe before him. Where is all the great talent? I, I don't. I don't know that it's necessarily uh, great talent. And the ones that you know, Komet was the most talented, and he was hurt. We knew Mac was inconsistent. I think a bigger problem is there's only one football. I mean, I, you know, you you with Chip Long, you run the football more. He sticks to the running game more. Um, he wants to throw the tight ends down the seam and and have them break tackles and keep running. Right. He's announced it. <laughs> well, Cole Komet, and, you know, I mean, is it the QB not looking for tight ends? Uh, um, Brian Kelly made a point at the end of the, I think it was at the end of the first half of the blue goal game to to throw the football to the tight end. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe Ian Book doesn't find them often enough. I, You know, I, I just, it, it the question when I read it reminded me of, of the Holtz era because people were always complaining about not throwing to the tight end. Meanwhile, they were killing you with the ground game right. and they were efficient throwing the football. So... I just, you know, maybe, I don't know, getting a few more first downs so you can run a few more plays and get the football to tight end. I'm not overly concerned about it from the perspective of they're not, oh, they're they're not taking advantage of this aspect of the offense. I think the position will just be better and more talented than it was last year. Well, Tommy, it will get yeah, more use. Yeah, and Tommy Tremble is, a, is you know, now that's a guy that's a, a, a greater threat catching the football. And now... You know, they, they preserved a year, and now you can you can turn him loose a little bit. I do think, and we should revisit this in the summer, There's there also is enough, there is one football. I mean, let's say Chase Claypool catches 60 passes, like Miles Walker caught 59 last year, and Chris Fink catches 50, like Claypool caught about last year, and Michael Young jumps up and catches 35, and Jafar Armstrong is out of the backfield now catching 30 instead of Dexter Williams' 10 or whatever. They're... How many balls do you? Now I know. You know I do there, think. I mean, well, I, I know, but we all think that if Komet Komet's healthy, that number is definitely going to go up. Oh yeah, I, th- I mean, I think he could have a great year, and then people won't be asking that question. Yeah. Gr Smith, is there any shot at Alohi Gilman staying past the 2019 season? The defensive backfield in 2020 will be terribly inexperienced if he does leave. I think the greatest shot of that happening is if he gets hurt early in the year, which is obviously something that. That, that you don't want. If he turns in, if he builds upon last year, I think it's very, very unlikely. I'd never say never. If he repeats last year, I think it's unlikely. Just yeah, well, yeah. yeah I said build zero. upon. Zero. Yeah. yeah, he won't come back. I think yeah. it's, if he comes back, it's bad for Notre Dame in 2019. Yeah, I Is think that it's, fair? I think it's that situation. Like, you have to understand Alohi Gilman. He sees himself... At the, the highest level, he should, because that's how he played last year. He has some physical limitations moving to the next level. Don't tell but him he that. Do, he doesn't believe that. Um, and I think he'll play in the NFL because he'll will himself to do it. He's got enough instincts and ability to do it. Who's drafted higher, Lowy Gilman or Jalen Elliott? Well, that's a great question because Jalen Elliott has more physical tools. Gilman has more football instincts. It's uh, an interesting question. Drafted higher, and in my infinite wisdom, I love Gilman have a better career. Okay, is that fair? I think. What, I, I think what are your thoughts? I think Elliot will. Get, I think Elliot will get drafted higher. Yeah, um, I get that. Which, if that's the case, I would think Gilman coming back for fifth year would actually make sense because he could go move up a little bit. But I think you could also make the argument similar to Julian Love. He is what he is. Like he's not. He's never going to go out there and run out. 
a four-two. Yeah, uh, as a safety, like that's and he, like his. He's a, I think, a great college football player, which is cool for Notre Dame. But I don't know what kind of a pro prospect he is. But I feel like you can't tell Halohi Gilman that. And that's why he's a great college football player as a two-star recruit to Navy. Are you, saying, are you saying he doesn't listen to his podcast? I'm, I, guess, I don't think he listens to many people who would criticize him, that's for sure. Because Alohi Gilman didn't want to hear about the speed of Clemson. He didn't want to hear about anything else. Alohi Gilman just believes Alohi Gilman is well, a heck of a player, and he's right. He didn't, even, just, he didn't even want to believe what his dad thought about him. Turns out Clemson was fast yeah. indeed. But, I, um, no, he's part of the reason he's has risen from recruiting status of nothing is his incredible belief in yeah, himself. Yeah, I guess it, it, it's disappointing to a lot of people because, you know, you think, oh, wow, they got him for two yeah. more years, and then that was kind of shot down before it was even, you know, really entertained. ND Reporter, two questions I'll ask him one at a time. What do you expect to see? Huh, be kind of hard to say them at the same time. <laughs> what do you expect to see from Tariq Bracey this season? Mm, I don't know. I, I think he'll be a rotational player. But that's it. You know, I don't – I think his junior year is when, you know, he'll have a chance to start that. Start at the field as a junior. You know, it's like how much does the fourth corner actually play? Yeah, how much are you going to – third corner Right, play? how much are you going to rotate with Troy Pride? You know, it's like if you have the Sean Crawford situation. If, if Sean Crawford is here, then Sean Crawford is ahead of Tariq Bracey for sure. Yeah. And one – my – I think the one thing that can waylay we – we feel the same way. But the one thing that can kind of prove us wrong is if Houston Griffith just – doesn't cut it at boundary corner in coverage. Like I think he'll, I think he, I think by the time he's playing football in September, he'll be really good run support <laughs> safety, which run support corner, which right. they want. And then he's still got to go down to Athens and cover guys, and go to Michigan and cover guys, and cover USC's receivers. You don't think USC's receivers <laughs> can beat Houston Griffith right now? I mean, I mean, well, they, they beat Tariq Bracey pretty badly and, that he got benched right. during the game last year. And Notre Dame's young receivers were beating Houston Griffith in a couple months yeah. ago. So there's a lot to it. That, that's why Bracey could win the job, but I think it's probably better if he doesn't win a job, right? Yeah. Uh, the second question is uh, really back to a recruiting question. Uh, who are you most excited about? Jordan Botello. He's a defensive end. Wide receiver uh, Jordan Johnson or offensive tackle Tosh Baker. Of course, all three of these are verbally committed to Notre Dame. Uh, excited about. That's a pretty broad well, for starters, who is excited about offensive tackles? Almost nobody. So, no offense to Tosh Baker, but he's third on the list. If it was Petit Freer, I would disagree, but yes, I hear where you're coming from there. Um, I mean, I go Jordan Botello, Jordan Johnson, Tosh Baker, one, two, three. I, I mean, I think Botello is just really interesting. Go back to the Hawaii comment from you know, Priester's sort of statewide canvassing of Notre Dame recruiting. What happens when you get kids from Hawaii? They're better than their ranking, and Jordan Patel's ranking is already pretty good. So I'll go with him. Jordan, I just think receivers are are too hit and miss. Yeah, um, know. You know, with the ex- to be, to with be the, ready year one. Is well, what, just or just to like what they're going to turn into. Yeah. Um, it's it's a difficult position I think to project. Michael Floyd I think is the only time where I was like, this guy is going to be really really good yeah. in college. Everyone else Notre Dame's got like. Who's to say Jordan Johnson isn't the next Javon McKinley and Justin Brent? I don't know. I mean, or he could be the next Michael Floyd. No idea. Um, but but I think Batello, background Hawaii position, Jordan Johnson, I mean, he's a really interesting player. I went and saw him and just sort of spent a little time with him. I mean, he's, I think he's a football first dude. Um, you know, I think he's got, he's got some of that Will Fuller-esque, like, I am here to... To dominate the real in, confidence. Dominate in football. 
also I'm I can handle the school stuff, but like, can we talk more about the football? Like, I like that aspect of it. And you know, Tosh Baker's cool, cool guy, but he's an offensive tackle, so there. <laughs> too bad. Uh, Batello, uh, I think Baker because of what you <laughs> illustrated, Pete, the the mystery of wide receiver drives me crazy. There's just so many that can happen. But if there's any Will Fuller comparison, I'm all for it. Um, <laughs> the way Will Fuller attacked football and attacked getting better, you and we keep bringing up Stefferson, how he was a guy not afraid in Miami. Will Fuller is a sophomore with Ronald Darby across from him, one-on-one in Tallahassee. Not a totally arrived yet. He's in his sixth game starting, and he told Ronald Darby, I'm taking you down the field and catching this on you in the final drive, and he does it. Those, they, those guys are rare. I go back to what Mike Denbrock told us. There's confidence that Will Fuller has, and there's fake confidence, which most of the guys it, have. It, I think he told a Dory Jackson the same thing. He did. That's... And Dory tried to shake his hand first, and he was having none of it. <laughs> uh, my quick answer to that is, uh, well, for me, Baker's definitely third. I, I just, I, 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 there's a ton of skill there. I don't think it's developed yet, uh, like most offensive mm-hmm. linemen, I guess. But I really think he's got a long way to go. I think he'll get there. He should get there. Uh, but a long way to go. I'd, I'd go Patella first, and I'd, I'd, I think I don't think Jordan Johnson's going to be a miss. I don't think so either. It's just but, as, but I didn't think the, some other guys would miss. No, that. no, point, like, taken, but, but no point taken. No, point taken. Surely, when we were in Chicago and saw Justin Brent, you would have said, "I don't think Justin no Brent is going to be a miss." No doubt it's about just it. Just a weird position. No doubt. At the Freeder, um, and I threw this in here. I, I'm not sure that we. I, I can't place everybody here, but anyway, the categorize. The freshman for this year. One, plays and contributes. Two, plays but not very effective. Three, plays one to four games in mob of duty. Four, not close to the field. This is number two. This is hard wild speculation. There's guys that plays but not very effective. You could also do plays and is somewhat effective. You know, that's not as good as play. I, I yeah. think Kyle Hamilton is a level one. Jacob Lacey is a level one. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. If I, you're, but I don't really think all the guys that Jay I think Bramblett. are. Well, he might be plays and not very effective. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> well, he could be, right? That's... Settle down, pretty certain. <laughs> but, play, but number two, I, I want to split it up a little bit. I think two, I'm not sure if it'll be effective or not, but like Isaiah Rutherford could be a really effective special teams player. Howard Cross could be effective backup. Kyron Williams could be an effective third runner if he gets there. You know, But they might uh, not be that. A healthy Kaiser, considering how Clark Lee feels about him, could be in that. Yeah, I don't know if I can break it down to four these four categories, but I, you know, the, the, the ones that you said, I mean, I think Rutherford could, I guess, Kyron Williams, crowded backfield, Howard Cross is going to get the opportunity. I'm not sure about opportunity after that. I, right. You, you never, it's all special teams after that. I mean, why couldn't half of the, that's why you eliminate some of the offensive linemen for contributing at all. But I don't know what, Isaiah Rutherford's going to bring to special teams. He might be great at it. It might be like, oh, no, he's not really fit there, but we really like him at corner in the future. There's, You never know what they're bringing. What, maybe, yeah. maybe Bramble can play special teams. Uh, not Bramble, excuse me. Bertrand <laughs> can play special teams. You know, it would be great <laughs> if Jay Bramble could play special teams. It's important if he could. Maybe Bertrand <laughs> can play special teams. So. He can tackle. You know, it's you never know with some of these guys. And if it's Brendan Clark, then the year went kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I agree. It's like Lacey and Hamilton are, are clear at, like, tier one after that. I don't. I don't know who would even be in the running um, you outside know, of special. Ky- Kyron Williams could be, but I don't. I think he will probably be two, but like not very effective. Is a it can be a compliment if you're playing more than, you know, like Paul Moala would probably be a 
two last year because he played and was not very effective, but it was a compliment to Paul Moella that right. he played at all. Yes, yes. There is, there's the notion out there that the Nordame coaching staff wants Howard Cross to make a contribution this fall. Now, that doesn't mean that he will. Right. But they want him to. They 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 want him. They believe that that's he could be the fifth possible interior right. defense exactly. lineman. That, exactly, but, and that would be plays, but is not very effective. But that is a compliment to Howard Cross. Yeah, it, I mean, really, it should be plays, but is just a role player. It's yeah, probably yeah. a better way to. We shouldn't say they're not effective that. because you yeah. know. And then like the guys who are mop up duty. I mean, that's sort of like what DJ Brown was last year, who played in two. I think. One or two games, yeah, and that no would, more than two. That uh, would be like a combination of Jared, two and three. Jarrett Patterson was a mop-up duty guy last year. And that that could almost be anybody. You know, is, is Cedar Aquanu, Isaiah Foskey, do they want to just sort of, hey, get on the field, do something, feel like you're engaged. But then again, Ajman, but then again no maybe idea. not. They didn't do that with Derek Allen. So it's a it's – a, you it's gotta a, you gotta really get close to the field for them to put you into a game mm-hmm. though. You can't yeah. you, you can't be a scout team player. They, when they say throw them all out there, that is definitely not the way it works because Well, it's a new role. It was just implemented, so we're finding out how they handle but it. But they don't know the plays. I, That's no, why I get it. of them can't No, play. I get yeah. it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, you gotta blow people out, which they, they didn't just right. didn't do a lot right. of that. Last they had year. the opportunities early in the year and let them slip by. And all this criticism we give them for not putting the guys out there, they put everybody and their mother out there against Ball State on kickoff coverage and they all stunk at it, so <laughs> <laughs> they, they just thought they would be fine to yeah, work out. They weren't great against Pittsburgh either. <laughs> that, in fact, I broke that play down. That was the biggest damn breakdown of a kick return you're ever going to see. Uh, Nd Matt R. How with with how good and accurate we're changing t- subject wow. here, man. With how good and accurate Jimmy Clausen was at Notre Dame, why do you think he didn't thrive in the NFL? It was that speedo picture that that did him in. My reason would actually be Cam Newton. <laughs> well, my my third one was uh, bad situation. Cam Newton. Yeah, uh, he was. But my, I thought he was such a great junior quarterback. At no point did I think he was athletic enough to be back there in the NFL, in the modern NFL, where you're getting grabbed and spun, and you got to get away from things. He is a subpar athlete for an NFL quarterback. I thought he would be in the NFL a lot longer than he was. Me too, but, but not, a, not a, a really good player. Guy. Yeah. And that, that is a bit of a well, mystery he, to me. he played as a true freshman in Notre Dame way, way short of strength. Yes. He, he, he was not physically ready to play. How much of a commitment he made to it after that, I mean, we thought he was brilliant as a junior. Obviously, he, he got somewhat stronger. But I think you make a good point. He, he was never... You, you've got to be able to get away from the pass yeah. rush, and he was never a guy that was able to really get away from the pass rush. He kept doing that pirouette, even in the NFL. The spin move that kind of works in college. And that leads, and that, you know what that leads to? Minus 17 yards. Exactly, a lot of fumbles. It's and... now second and 27. <laughs> At MTFL Smith, watching Jalen Smith graduate this weekend has caused bitterness I thought I'd never have to deal with again. <laughs> <laughs> Which players suffered the most under BBG's reign of terror? And he did not put this, but I am putting instead of Jalen Smith because that is clearly the person. I, I, I mean, I can't think of anybody else close to he, what that? he what he suffered. You never one blitzed sack. him. I think he had one career sack. You never you never brought him off the you never brought him <laughs> off the edge up the middle. What he had forty. Doing? I think he had like four and a half tackles for loss. I mean, he. It was ridiculous. And he won the Butkus Award, <laughs> yep. despite being having. It's remarkable. How can you think? Can you think? I, I, I thought I, of something because we tried to okay, go here. Yeah. Uh, I think 
BBG really stunted Niles Morgan's career. Um, I don't think Morgan was anywhere near as good as five-star people thought, but to not be able to get Niles Morgan on the field as a second-year player when Joe Schmidt's limping on one foot is kind of weird. Um, obviously, he didn't take to that defense. I'll, I'll, I'll give you Matthias Farley. I'll give this you Drew. This dude is playing in the NFL, <laughs> and BVG wouldn't play him. Well, and I'll throw out Drew Tranquil as a safety. Now, maybe a lot of that had to do with his own physical shortcomings, but I think it probably had something to do with BVG. And I don't know if Redfield would have been good, but it didn't help that Redfield I, was under BVG those years. Yeah. The, whole, the whole thing was bad. Sheldon Day did a good job because he just didn't listen. He freelanced and got play, made plays. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, like it's a little bit interior D line. I think yeah. is it. Yeah, I mean, if you get off the ball and you beat somebody, you beat somebody. There's a couple guys that were like James Onowalu always liked because um, he played because he played under George Schmidt like Brian McGorick because yeah. he played. I and mean, he probably got Onowalu. I mean, moving him it was Brian Kelly's decision to move him, but mm-hmm. moving him to linebacker made Onowalu an NFL player because he certainly wouldn't have been an NFL wide receiver. Still, like. none of this is as bad as John Tenuta playing Harrison Smith at outside linebacker. <laughs> That's true. And the very first question asked to Brian Kelly yeah. about Smith is Smith a linebacker safety? He's either a safety or he can't play for yes. us. Well, How about a Pro Bowl NFL safety? <laughs> yeah. But that's a direct shot, by the way, that he ever played yeah. linebacker. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Doc Irish. How many legitimate contenders for the college football playoffs are on Notre Dame's 2019 and 2020 schedules? Uh, I know of two. Three. I would go three this year. Because you're talking about legitimate contenders. I mean, he's going to be the fourth place team. Yeah. Yep. Good. USC or Stanford, really, probably not. But I'm just saying, I think one of those teams will be good. It's probably going to be Mich- Stanford. Michigan though. could Michigan could be better. Though. Yeah, Michigan yeah. and Georgia, I think, are the. Well, the national people seem to think Michigan is a contender. I'm I don't, not. I don't sure get that. that with all the losses. Like last year, I did get it. I, I totally was on board with going into the year. Like this is sure. this really good defense. But, that, but with what they've lost defensively, it seems odd to me that they would be that high on them this year. Uh, well, Wait, are you guys talking about Notre Dame or Michigan with what they've lost defensively? No, Michigan lost. Michigan lost more. Yes. Notre Dame lost a lot. Notre Dame lost a lot. And I think we view them as a college football playoff contender. Do we not? Yeah, but I, yeah, know, but they, I think Notre Dame's they, offense is better than Michigan's offense, too. Uh, anyway, Mike, legitimate contenders are Georgia and Clemson are the legitimate, real, when all is said and done, I'm going to be shocked if they're not contending for the playoffs yeah. in mid-November. Uh, and then Wisconsin next year, more than Michigan this year. Michigan this year more than Stanford and USC in either of the next two years. Yeah, I think Stanford and USC, they're just not, they're not in their... USC can prime place where they normally are. Yeah. Sure, right. Yeah, right. you just—I I mean, look at Michigan's schedule this year. It's like they—they play Ohio State and Notre Dame both in Ann Arbor. They play Michigan State in in Ann Arbor. That's a big part of why the national media they play, have them as a contender. They yeah. play at Wisconsin in September, but like if they get by that, I mean, Penn State is kind of in a rebuild mode. They go to there. I mean, there's—they're probably going to be. Seven and one, I think. I feel I what made them in, so good for a lot of last year is just not there. I, no, six. I think they'll probably be six and one or seven and zero oh when Notre Dame goes be, there. Yeah, and there should be an. I mean, there should be an uptick offensively. Yeah. Yes, but so that defense was. I mean, I know they got shredded against Ohio State, but that defense was legit all yeah, year. Yeah, it's good. They lost some great players. Notre Dame. No, I mean, your point's taken, Pete. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the one that keeps saying, "Look what happened after 2015." 
that's not going to happen this year. But when you lose that kind of talent, you just can't assume when you're coming off a great year, you just can't assume that you're going to repeat that. I guess I'll put it this way. I think Georgia's a more legitimate playoff contender this year than Notre Dame is. Doesn't mean Notre Dame's not. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I'd put Notre Dame in more in the Wisconsin, Michigan, Notre Dame right, because, than well, Georgia Clemson. Yeah, because Georgia so should be. Yeah, contenders and yeah. favorites. Right. Yeah. All right, last question at DWM1ND. If Brian Kelly wins a national title at Notre Dame over the next three years, does he leave the university the next year? If so, is it for an NFL job, another college position, or retirement from football? Not the second one. He doesn't go to another college position if he wins a title at Notre Dame the next year. Or the Boy, next two years. That can you weird. imagine how that pissed people off? Can you imagine? Yeah, I don't. I don't see. I don't I see him. See I don't. I mean, why would you do that? No. Why? Why in the world would you do that? I would say temporary retirement or retirement. I don't think you temporary. You mean like Urban Meyer style? Like then he might pursue the NFL, or then he might pursue mm. something else. You know, I don't. I don't know if he would just. Well, it would. Gi- it would give him a legitimate shot at the NFL, which he really probably doesn't have now, or hasn't had for a couple of years. So, you know, could you sign a big? You get the big payday for with for a. Well, do you say NFL or retirement? Well, I think he comes back the next year, actually. Right. But, like, if they were to win a national title this year, which I don't think that they will, if you won a national title this year, I, I mean, I think he would come back. I, I you know, I don't. I don't know if he would. I, I mean, I, I asked yeah. him this question last yeah. summer. Actually, I was going to say you yeah, commented on this I was, before. I mean, he doesn't like to talk about his future plans. Um, but when you throw a national title, and everybody and, gets a little happier. Yeah, and I think that I didn't really leak. I, I wanted to engage him with it, and he was like, eh, I don't really want to talk about this. But he said, like... Did he say that, actually? Not, No, not in those words. But I was just like, ah, you know, I don't really... The, the can sort of like, yeah, I yeah. only want to focus on what I'm talking about. But he but he did throw out there without me prompting. But hey, if I win a national title this year, maybe we'll be having a different conversation. Because he was talking about Sorry. wanting to go on. You know, his daughter's a student here. Uh, you know, and since then, he's, I think Pete Thamel had a conversation with him where he said he wanted to go two two more years beyond the, the end of his contract at least. I, I mean, I would just say, like, the job's as good as it's ever been for him. And it's hard to be like, yes, I'm going to retire from this job. Well, I mean, I'm how making many guys, almost $6 million a year. That's what I'm saying. How, how many guys... But the question was, he has to do one of those things, right? <laughs> does he leave? Well, I mean, does he leave? Oh, okay. No, I think he'd come back to If but, so, is it for... Uh, I mean... How many guys in their late fifties win a national title and retire? I, does that happen all the time? I mean, <laughs> I think he could enjoy life. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I, I, I agree. He's, I, he, Brian Kelly is not someone when he retires is going to be like. You know what? I, God, I really miss. I really miss. Going I, to tr- I really miss being at Culver. No, I totally agree with that. I, I totally agree with that. I think that he is. I think he's comfortable in his own skin, and if if and when or when he decides to retire from football, I think he'll be comfortable with that. Yeah. Whether he's coming off a national title or not, I think. I, you agree? I'd be more comfortable coming off a national title. You personally? Anybody? Hell, yes. I'd be. Yeah, yeah I'd be, I, I would be too. All right, we're going to take a two week break. Uh, we're going to come back on Monday, June third, um, two weeks from today. And we'll have a whole bunch of recruiting to talk about again. We're that that much we're we're certain of. Um, so we appreciate you joining us here for Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll talk again on June third. Thanks for joining. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football. 
please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.